This podcast is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to episode 87 of THN. We're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, October 25th. My name is Matt Baum, at Matt Baumstein on Twitter. When I'm not grinding corpses and piloting my shovel-headed kill machine, I'm appraising comics and writing the Comic Speculator blog for Woodpoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick, at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not marching to the Valley of the Dead while sharing a little twist of cane for the God Below, I don't know what any of those references the are. The Danzig reference. Thank Come on, you. Big With my co-host, <laughs> I am the artist of Good Plus and the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Slayer and Danzig, the exact, because... This is the second annual Halloween Metal Show! And this week, you'll hear blood-curdling reviews of Superman 13 and Captain America 19. And then, we'll review ten more comics faster than Lemmy can drink a bottle of Jameson during the ludicrous speed round. After that, we'll pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where a kegger with a cadre of comics' most famous devils will help us learn the secrets of next week's comics. And finally, we'll take a look at a book with more than 32 pages when we review Scott Snyder's Severed for our super creepy Halloween edition of Take a Look at a Book. And while that mind-numbing terror is going down, we'll be reading your answers to the question of the week. But before we get to all the ritual suicide and multiple stab wounds, let's take a second to mount our red dragon and ignite our rage-powered flaming swords to cut a bloody swath through the humanity and then burn this planet to a cinder. And then we can talk about this week's Our first story this week came in via a tip from Ryan Forrest, head of the official THN legal team. The THN consigliatory. I like to call him the mouthpiece. (laughs) Our in-house counsel. Thanks, Ryan. (laughs) It appears that controversial writer-slash-artist Rob Liefeld quietly announced his retirement from comics this week. Controversial. And then... He sounds like he's Don Imus (laughs) when we discuss him like that. (laughs) Just as quickly announced his unretirement. It began in a Facebook thread started by Ethan Van Skyver, where the artist joked, quote, I'd like Rob Liefeld to draw bad Rock Obama, but he won't. <laughs> Which prompted Liefeld to reply, quote, Ethan, I am retired from comics, but you have my blessing. It would look great if you drew it. Of course, comic news and rumor journalists watch social media sites like Hawks, and the story found its way onto BleedingCool.com within minutes, I think. This caused Liefeld to shift into damage control mode and send out a series of tweets refuting his own comments. Quote, I am not retired from comics. <laughs> Taking some time off, and we'll be back soon. Thanks. No, I am not permanently retired from comics. I'm too young. Momentarily, yes. Jeez, let a guy enjoy some R&R. My mistake is that I don't give Facebook comments the same weight as I do Twitter rants. I picture talking like Leonardo from the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like... I am not retired from comics. That's Michelangelo. Oh, Michelangelo. <laughs> That's Michelangelo. He's dude, a party dude. Taking some time off and be back at it soon. <laughs> Cowabunga. <laughs> While it's true that Liefeld has quote unquote retired from corporate comics or at least DC comics, it seems like we'll be able to enjoy Rob's work for some time he to retired come. retired or was he politely asked to leave? Uh, <laughs> depends on who you ask. Say, you know, Rob, today would be a good day for you to quit. <laughs> I like. I don't want to bash on Rob oh, Liefeld. Yeah, well, I quit. I I actually am kind of bummed. Like, I think comics are better 
with Rob Liefeld in him. He is good for comics. I don't like him. I don't like but, him either. And and he's kind of a jackass on his Twitter, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, but hey, he's got the balls to say what he says. He's into what he does. Good for him. There's not a lot of other guys out there giving themselves as much props and, and you know, well, pushing their stuff as Rob Liefeld. It's not, and it's not just the self-promotion. It's that there's a subsection of comics fans that are passionately yes. in love with his they work. They love him. They love him. And, and that's great. I think the guy sells comics. I just don't want to read them. Now, if you don't want people to think that you're retiring from comics, step one would be to not make the comment, I'm retired. Maybe say, I'm taking a break. Yeah. That's what a hiatus yeah. is. Like, if I didn't want people to think that I was going to kill myself this afternoon, I wouldn't say, goodbye, cruel world. <laughs> like, if I was going to take a nap. You know? Sure, yeah. <laughs> goodbye, cruel world. Yeah, and then I'm going to lay down for 15-minute power nap. You know? <laughs> Speaking of 90s era creators, Battle Chasers artist Joe Madruriria. Madurera. Madruriria, who has been mostly absent from yeah. the comics industry for the better part of a decade, has left his position at Vigil Games. Madurireria's career at Vigil spanned seven years, during which he designed the popular Darksiders series. I don't know if popular is the right word. No, wait. It those was, people love those following. games. Cold following. The first one kind of sucked. I heard the second one's kind of fun. They're both pretty fun. Now it seems that Madru Riria's return to comics is imminent. The artist has been teasing fans on his Facebook page about his, quote, next big thing and a possible Battle Chasers renaissance. You know what? <laughs> There's a, what's uh, lightning in a bottle? That's, the, sure, that's sure. the saying that comes to mind. It was the 90s. Pictures were pretty. We liked looking at them. But go back and read Battle Chasers. Not a lot of story there. No, but... Like, you like dragons? You like pirates with big jugs? <laughs> you like huge swords? Man, have I got a comic book for you! Say what you will. I actually really love Joe Madureira. I loved his X-Men. Totally loved him. Yeah. And, and that Avenging Spider-Man that he did? Yes, the two it's issues really he did good. Were beautiful. The old he, joke he, is, is he going to get out more than two issues sure, a year? Sure, exactly. And, you know, the last time he came back, before he did Avenging Spider-Man... Was for um, Ultimates three, Oof. which is the worst, and looked terrible. It wasn't his best work. It looked terrible. Not his best work. But you know, I'm excited if if he's coming back to comics. I want to see that. I I think that he's his art is very dynamic. It is, but uh, I think he's one of those guys. It's he's gonna have to either go back to what he was doing in the '90s so he can get books out on time. He didn't get books out on time back then either. Sure, he did. I mean, he had a pretty good run on X Men for a while there. His run is littered with fill-ins. Yeah, that's go true. back and look at it. No, that's true. Yeah, but I mean, still, he was getting six to eight issues out a year. You agree sure, with that? sure, yeah, yeah. And when he went to Battle Chasers, it was closer to one and a half issues a year. It was ended after nine. Yeah, and it took five years. It took a I long recall. time. Yeah. Yeah, 2001 so. was the last one. I like the guy. I hope he can come back and kick ass. I all the best to Joe Madureira. <laughs> That's how I will forever say his name. <laughs> Madureira. All right, let's get real for a second. It is up for debate whether or not this final story this has story has a caveat. <laughs> any yeah, whether or not this story has any truthiness to it at all. That's you know up to you to decide. But just in case, you should definitely skip ahead right now if you don't want any. Superior Spider-Man spoilers. Give us about five minutes. Five minutes? All right. Yeah, right? Five minutes. Three Watch the clock. Half. Three and a half. Nah. <laughs> Sometime on Wednesday, Dan Slott, writer of Marvel's upcoming Superior Spider-Man series, sent a tweet to artist Ryan Stegman regarding an art change to a future issue, which is not a big deal. Nah. Creators use Twitter all the time they to communicate back and forth between each other and their fans. 
However, it seems that this particular tweet was supposed to be private as it contained the identity of the as-yet-unrevealed lead character. Whoops. Yes. Uh, again, this is your last chance to skip ahead three and a half minutes or so to avoid spoilers. Here is the tweet in its entirety. Quote, think we need a patch on page 19. There's a thing Miguel can do with his eyes. <laughs> I'll send you reference. DM me back when you get this. End quote. Oh, I threw my back out DMing your mom last <laughs> night. Oh, Ow. Of course, Slot must have been referring to none other than Miguel O'Hara, the Spider-Man of 2099. Uh, now, Slot could have been talking about somebody else in the series named Miguel, but that seems unlikely. That's preposterous. Since the tweet was deleted immediately, it's also worth noting that Dan Slot isn't above playing mind games with his fans, and the tweet could be nothing more than a red herring meant to stir up debate. Assuming it's true, though, that the message was referring to the new Spider-Man himself, and unless Marvel is creating another spider-powered Miguel with pointy talons on his fingers... It looks like Miguel O'Hara is your superior Spider-Man. What do you think? It's not a shock. This is not a shock. It's kind of a shock. We kind of called this when they first started talking about it. When we they were did talking call about it. Retractable talents. I mean, what else would we be talking about? Now, does this mean that this storyline takes place in the future? No, because he hooks so up does, with Mary Jane. So does Miguel get farted into the past? That's what it looks like. Right. This is my theory, and I discussed this with our buddy Jeff Hitt at the shop. My theory is that through whatever happens in Amazing Spider-Man 700, Peter Parker gets trapped in the future, and that and Miguel O'Hara comes back and takes his place in the past. The body switch, body switch, like the astronaut's wife. And I have, I don't know, no, that's saw, not the astronaut. I never saw that shit. <laughs> that's not an astronaut's whatever, the lake wife. house or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> and so my theory is this: Miguel O'Hara comes back to the past. Okay, takes over as Spider-Man. Peter Parker goes to the future, and we're going to get a second ongoing series sometime down the line. With Peter Parker in the future? A Spider-Man 2099 series starring Peter Parker. Weird. I would totally be on board for that. Weird. It's like a Freaky Friday thing. Yeah, kind what of. What was the Dudley Moore Kirk uh, Cameron one where they switched bodies? Well, they're not switching bodies. I know, it's, I know, but that's just like, that's how I'm billing it. I sh- like Father Like Son? Is I think that? it was like Father Like Son. 18 again, starring George Burns I and that it- guy that played... <laughs> Ferris Bueller on the TV show? Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be a great time. I trust Dan Slott, and it seems just wacky enough that it might work. You know what I mean? I, I think that's exciting. I was not excited about a replacement Spider-Man before. That's pretty cool, though. But if this is true, yeah, I'm I I'm giving Dan Slott a also, lot of leeway. Also, a very creative way to play on their own continuity and inject some diversity into the line. A little you know, bit, As yeah. opposed to DC, we're just like, oh, yeah, you like this character? She's a gay Puerto Rican now, you know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the Scottish Latino <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> it's me, Miguel O'Hara. <laughs> that is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, head over to our Facebook page where... Joe Patrick and I will be modeling our Dios de los Muertos kilts as part of our Scottish Latino celebration <laughs> of Halloween. And of course, like true Scottino gentlemen, we're not wearing anything underneath. I, pl- I believe Scottino is the preferred nomenclature. Yeah, Scottino. Yeah. Each week, my chud each, Joe Patrick, 
hosts the abominable question of the week. Tell me what a Chuck E. Cheese is. It's Klingon, man. It's the guy that fights for you if you're injured. Jesus. Call yourself a That's really sweet, buddy. And we read your soulless <laughs> and tortured responses on this godforsaken show. This week's question was, what is your favorite comic book guilty pleasure i.e. the series slash creator that you love regardless of its quality slash popularity this is the comic that you wake up in the middle of the night and pull out of the fridge and read by yourself yeah. nude or the creator <laughs> that you know you support regardless yeah. of his output sure <laughs> so we have some excellent responses this week despite me forgetting that we're recording early <laughs> and not posting your right. 11 o'clock your idea last night. by the way i know i know our first response r- came very quickly, and I know he's banned from the question of the week, but I have to say... Not banned. He's encouraged. <laughs> Aaron Myers, King of Askinard, wrote in immediately saying, I love Zatanna stories. I didn't care who wrote them or who drew them. I had to read them because I'm a pervert. Pervert. <laughs> Then the second response came from my lovely wife, Michelle, who said, anything involving Ben Affleck. What? To which I replied... He's disqualified. He does not make comics. And she said, but wasn't he in some comic book movies? And so I got to give it to her. No. No. <laughs> and he wasn't in some comic book movies. Daredevil, Daredevil sucked and doesn't count. It's a comic book movie. It George, does too count. And the George Reeves movie was not a comic book movie. <laughs> Our buddy Kush from the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. My answer should come as no surprise. TMNT. There's plenty of not so great Turtles products. Oh, not yeah. just comics, but I don't care <laughs> new contributor ian eppenbaugh welcome aboard ian yes uh customer at legend comics recent convert to two-headed nerd very complimentary about it we appreciate it what a guy ian says hellblazer there's something delightful about a chain-smoking snarky englishman who fights demons and other baddies I, okay i to be fair i don't know if that's a guilty pleasure well but I've, i fault nobody for reading it's hellblazer. definitely had some it has dips ups and, in quality it has ups and downs but i don't think hellblazer has ever been terrible i don't recall an issue where i read that and went that sucked but the bottom line is that good or bad ian will no, support that book yeah, so i'm down i'm down good answers so far nerds and we'll hit some facebook responses a little later in the show the now it's review time on thn for each week we disembowel two of the past wednesday's comics and roll around in their innards until coated with gore, and then, and only then, will they receive their ultimate judgment, Joe Patrick. What is your comic sacrifice deemed worthy? My review is of Superman number 13 from DC Comics, written by Scott Lobdell, with art by Kenneth Rocafort, colors by Sunny Go. Go, or? It's Go. Go? Yeah, Sunny Go. Go. Letters by Rob Lee, or Lay, Rob Lay, probably. Sorry, Rob. Here's your solicit. I'm going to say Lee. Okay. Here's your solicit as given to Diamond Comics from DC Entertainment. (laughs) It's a death trap for Superman as he matches wits with his greatest enemy for the final time as the Man of Steel loses it. (laughs) What does that mean? Plus the death of question mark? Dot, 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 question mark. Uh, And hey, guess what? The description provided by DC does not match the content of this issue whatsoever. (laughs) So here's a real solicit for you written by myself. After days of secret underground testing, Superman returns home to find the romantic and professional aspects of his life in shambles. What better time for an attack 
from a long thought extinct creature from Krypton's prehistoric past. I want to come up with a long See? German word that describes like the like Schadenfreude. Yeah, like Schadenfreude that like perfectly describes what happens when a book is solicited as this, and nothing like that happens. <laughs> this book opens with Superman testing the limits of his strength in the laboratory of Doctor Veritas. Who I assume was introduced in past issues. It does not say at all. Great name, by the way. Yeah. The result, and of course, she's super sexy, but vulnerable. Oh. She walks with a cane and wears a sexy, skin tight science suit. Of course. Yeah. So she keeps in shape by what? Aqua aerobics? Listen, it happened. (laughs) That is something. There's that's something ist. What? She's handy capable or whatever. I don't know. Stop it. You're digging a hole. The results of said test firmly... I'm going to dig your hole in a minute here. <laughs> Gross. Yeah! The results of said test firmly secure the new 52 Superman's godlike status. He presses six sextillion tons for five days straight. For those of you without is, math degrees, that is a six with 21 zeros. That is so dumb. Yeah. Does he displace the continent while it happens? It is enough. It, it says it right in the book. If the Earth could be weighed on a scale, that would be the weight of the Earth. Dumb. Yes. He returns home and, as one would expect after being missing for five days without explanation. Okay, I'm sorry. Time out. The, he lifted the weight of the Earth on the Earth. He well, stood on the Earth it, and lifted a, the weight of the Earth. She had a machine. A machine that did what? That was... Exactly. <laughs> Pressing with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that clears and it up. And her lab is at like the center of the earth or something. God, that is dumb. Listen, I'll get to that. As one would expect after being missing for five days without explanation, finds his editors pissed at him for not doing his job. Go figure. Another way to look at this is that Superman just up and decided that the world could do without him for five days straight while he lifted weights and flirted with a sexy scientist. (laughs) Sexy crippled scientist. Yes. (laughs) Then comes the much publicized network moment where he's mad as hell and he's not going to take it anymore. (laughs) Uh, That was in the news this week. You probably heard about it. He storms out of the Daily Planet and toward his career as a professional blogger. Yeah, good luck. I'm working on that one myself. There is no blogging in this issue. Let me tell you, I'm rolling around in cash as a professional blogger. That moment, though, just falls completely flat. Uh, The owner of the Daily Planet, Morgan Edge, comes off as cartoonishly evil. He makes this huge point about how he can spy on his employees' computers and knows when so-and-so is playing solitaire or can't grants looking for clothes sales. And then he berates Clark Kent. For doing the only thing he mentions that looks like actual work. And then Clark takes off his glasses and makes his impassioned speech in front of a room full of people. He may as well have put the cape on while he did it. Doesn't he vibrate like a little, like, isn't that the secret? He vibrates like kind of fast. He can't really That's tell. so like cameras can't pick up, oh, you know, static right. images and all that. You look a little fuzzy today, Clark. What's going on? I feel Cue giant beastie attack. Superman, who is like unto a god, let's remember, is not strong enough to break its grip. Which pangs of like He-Man. Like when He-Man yeah, would like the most- lift Castle Grayskull above his head and then a dinosaur shows up and he has trouble spinning it yeah. around by its tail. The most powerful <laughs> man in the universe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so he can't break the animal's grip, yet he's able to dispatch it by igniting an oil field with his heat vision and causing a big explosion. Yeah, well, I mean, explosions suck, man. Yeah. Supergirl shows up and berates Superman, who grew up on Earth, by the way, for not recognizing the beast as a creature from prehistoric Krypton. 
then makes the logical leap that its appearance on Earth means that Krypton is still alive. Yes, because if I were on the moon and a Tyrannosaurus Rex showed up. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm no expert on Kryptonian zoology, but I don't think that science holds up. No. <laughs> Are these things running around present-day Krypton? Yeah, I mean, it'd be like if Mario Lopez showed up at the mall and we just assumed the head of the class was still on TV. You mean <laughs> Saved by the Bell. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> I keep trying this series with each creative change, yearning for it to be better, and it never is. Lobdell's script for this issue is just bad. It's full of cliché dialogue, and I feel like he just threw in a bunch of really impressive statistics without considering how that would actually play out in the story. Rokofort's art is fun, though, and I think his flashiness covers up whatever storytelling flaws he may have. His background characters are all expressive and unique. Not everyone looks like a pouty supermodel, which does tend to happen with these guys that came out of Top Cow. To be fair, the Top Cow universe is a very beautiful place. Yes. <laughs> Everybody's sexy. My main problem with this issue and Superman in general is this. Superman doesn't seem like Superman. And I know that this is the new 52 and all bets are off, but I feel like the powers that be at DC have run away screaming from the aspects of the character and his supporting cast that they should have embraced and built upon. Like, there's no hint of the honorable newsman Perry White, the crusader for truth. Here we have Perry White that shrugs his shoulders and allows the Daily Planet to cater to the lowest common denominator. Superman takes a week off just because, invades Lois's privacy with, her, with his X-ray vision, and then murders an alien creature. <laughs> yeah, you know, Superman. This is Earth's greatest hero? <laughs> People have said that Superman is boring because he's too powerful and he's not interesting. And I've always felt that those people are missing the point about what makes Superman great. Superman at his best is a character that can inspire others to aspire to something greater and can create a sense of wonder. The previous version of Superman inspired an, an entire generation of heroes. In the future. No, like... Superman's appearance well, yeah, yeah, yeah. on in Metropolis is what caused all these other the, characters to come. I was talking about the Legion. And the Legion as and well. The Legion. For uh, generations and generations of heroes, I don't see it with this character. Not even a little. And a million years from now, he takes Lois to go live in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Actually, that didn't happen. I think one million that was wiped out of continuity. Superman one million. Yeah. Uh, DC one million. <laughs> Unfortunately, that Superman seems to be gone and has been replaced by the exact thing that those people complain about. I'm done. I'm done trying with this version. And I urge all of you that feel the same way to vote with your wallets and send DC a message. Hopefully Scott Snyder will bring back a Superman I can care about. But until that, until then, leave it. Didn't read it. That's all right. There You're you better go. off. All right. Matt, tell me something good. I'm glad you did read Superman because I think it ties directly in to what I'm going to talk about with Captain America 19 from Marvel, written by Ed Brubaker, with art by Steve Epting, who returned just to do this final issue. Spoiler alert, this is not the final issue of Captain America, as the cover might have you believe. It is, however, Ed Brubaker's final issue. It is the final issue. Well, they're restarting. It's not like Captain America is going it, away. It's the final issue of this run of Captain America. It's been eight years and more than 100 issues, and Brubaker is not only saying goodbye to Cap, but goodbye to Marvel. Has it been 100 issues? Over 100 issues. He wrote something in the back. The only reason I know it is because he said it in the back. That's awesome. Here we see Cap visiting William Burnside, the man that replaced Cap in the 1950s after he was hit by a truck while stopping a terrorist attack. There's no spoilers here because 
this is a very straight ahead issue. It's Steve Rogers recounting why he became Cap to a deeply flawed man that tried to fill his shoes while he was, well, Steve was frozen in polar ice. Burnside took a different version of the super soldier serum that affected his mind and ultimately drove him insane. Yeah. I'm not going to go into what set this apart from being another origin of Cap story because I don't want to ruin what Brubaker did here, but he very cleverly did it. And in doing so, worked Joe Simon and Jack Kirby into Marvel continuity. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) They're the creative team that was documenting Cap's World War II exploits in comic form. And the best part is Bucky hated it. (laughs) Bucky was was like, these guys are making me look like an idiot. (laughs) It was awesome. But he also... Touches on something very light, and we've seen Cap's origin a billion times. If there was one thing that Brubaker was really good at, it was going back and plucking things out of Cap's continuity and giving it just a little twist to make him that much more believable, iconic, and lovable. Brubaker and Epting briefly touch on just about every important moment in Cap's history as he gently lets Burnside know that he respects him and thanks him for his time as Cap. Keep in mind, this is a disgraced Captain America. Steve Epting has joined a small list of Captain America artists that not only defined this character, but made him the icon that he is today. Epting is not the most kinetic of artists, but like Alex Ross and George Perez, he knows how to imbue each panel with an importance that just feels like history. There's no action that takes place on the final page of this comic, but I honestly think it's one of the best final pages of any writer's run I've ever read. It was chilling. I loved it. Buy it is not a good enough rating for this issue because I'm going to miss Ed Brubaker on Cap so damn much. And you know what they're doing here with Captain America that they're not doing with Superman is paying attention to his history. Captain America is history, history, history. And that's the first most important thing about that character. And the fact that everybody looks up to Cap because Cap is the guy that he's always been. Superman is completely unrecognizable because DC is not paying attention to the character's history. I'm not even saying it's the lack of continuity that bothers me. No. Because they wanted to do a reboot. They wanted to start their continuity over. Fine. Sure. That's their prerogative. Think about all the stupid shit in Cap's continuity that... It's there, but we just choose not to pay attention to some of it. Like Cap Wolf. Eh, probably didn't happen. Right. It's just (laughs) that DC has taken everything that has built over 70 years to make Superman an icon, uh, a character that people recognize the world over, even where they don't get comics, and flushed it down the toilet, whereas Marvel has a great, great habit of embracing their history. And they don't always... Mentioned the the minutia, sure, but all of that stuff in this issue has just built everything that has happened in Ed Baker's run has built on what came before it. Yes, and it's he has so a, a reverence for this character yes. and the history and the creators. He gives this like impassioned thank you to everybody that worked with him. Yeah, in the back of this book, that just gave me chills. This guy loves Captain America. It's true, and, and you can tell. And this is one of the best. Seriously. Probably the best ending to any one writer's long run on a book that I can think of in recent history. It's true. I have followed uh, writers that have had long-term runs. I'm a huge fan of Mark Wade and Peter David, and they've sure. had long runs on books like The Hulk and The Flash. And this feels like Ed Brubaker was able to end his run on his own terms. Yeah. 
And I think that if he had wanted to continue writing Captain America in Marvel now, they would have let him. Let me ask you a question. Do you think anybody that was going to leave DC right now would write the glowing, sweet editorial in the back about their time on their book? I do not know. <laughs> you know? No, like, I, don't I, think I so. just can't see it. I'm no one. Even like when Grant Morrison leaves, I bet it's like action. I bet it's just gonna be thanks. <laughs> you know, if even yeah, if there's even if, that if you even get that you know I, yeah and i again we're talking about cap not dc but i agree this book is great and i'm glad you didn't describe how the history replays no, uh, that was the thing it. i loved the most yeah you guys should read it. is that it was an origin story but not in the way you're thinking it added something new yeah and again yeah this is wonderful I have to agree. It is a strong buy it for me. It's a wonderful wrap up to Brubaker's run. And I hadn't even been like, I've been way behind. I haven't read oh, you don't most of you the last. Just, you can just pick this up and read yep. it. Most of the last year's worth. It's an since excellent the last jumping reboot. on point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the final <Yeah>. issue. <laughs> but buy it for me as well. Of course, we want to know what you poorly fleshed out icons and American heroes thought of our reviews. So let us know how uninspired and perfectly executed they were in our comment section over at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Once a year, DJ and I escape from our mental institution to return to the quiet, peaceful neighborhood of Haddonfield, Illinois, where our childhood was cut short after murdering our sister, and then we rain hell down in the sleepy suburb with the drunken, slurring Donald Pleasance hot on our heels as we hack and slash our way through ten new comics during this week's ludicrous speed round. I get that one. Ludicrous speed! Go! Invincible Iron Man, 527, Marvel. This is the final issue of Matt Fraction and Salvador LaRocca's run on Invincible Iron Man after many years. I have to say, I didn't love it. It was a little underwhelming. It was underwhelming. I liked it, but uh, a little underwhelming. I, I was I was hoping for, I mean, it's a different character than Captain America, sure. obviously, but I was hoping for something with a little bit more emotional impact. Yeah, spoiler alert, he's like, thanks for everything, I'm going into outer space? Yeah, which, you know, it foreshadows what's coming up with Guardians of the Galaxy I and guess. stuff. But, uh, yeah, uh, for the end of a long run, it just needed more oomph. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'd like to see him and Split Toe sit down and, like, have a good cry. Split, you know? <laughs> split lip. Split lip, whatever. <laughs> uh, so, I guess, skim it? That feels yeah, wrong. No, I gotta do it, too. Yeah. Bravest Warriors, number one from Kaboom. Uh, this is a comic adaptation of Pendleton Ward's new or coming cartoon series. I think there's just a short right now or on something. Cartoon Network. Felt like Kaboom is trying to catch lightning in a bottle here again with Adventure Time. It is I, certainly supposed to be Adventure Time in space. It's Adventure Time in space, but it was kind of like too silly to make any sense. Sure. And I read it really late at night, so I thought it was tired, so I read it again the next day, and I was still just like, uh, maybe I don't have enough ADD to appreciate this. <laughs> I could really give it a skim. It just didn't do much for me. I didn't laugh a whole lot. Sure. Let's play God. Number one, Mighty W. This is the first of two different books this week that came out starring this person named Bria Grant. Yeah. Who 
the the blonde from Heroes? She was on Heroes for five minutes as the girl that ran real fast. Right, and the other book has Marky Ramone in it. Yeah, and then Playing some guy Marky from Sopranos. Ramone. Yeah, like <laughs> what in the hell? This one though is a murder mystery starring a, uh, an all-girl punk band, and she's writing this one too. Yeah, right? she co-writes it with her brother. They've done other comics. I was really re- ready to hate this though. I didn't. Really? I actually thought it was all right. It's yeah. a it is a it's a murder mystery. And it's got great art by Eric J, who co-created Rex Mundy back in the day from uh, Image. Nice. I mean, I get to skim it from me because it's not normally my cup of tea, but it's way better than I was expecting. Fair enough. Batman Incorporated number four from DC. Every time I think Scott Snyder is the best Batman writer at DC, Grant Morrison gives us one issue like this that is just <laughs> totally badass. Chris Burnham's here. The League of uh, International Batman all show up. The Club of Heroes. Help him find... To help him fight Leviathan. This is just fun. And I, this is why I love Grant Morrison on this book. Buy it. A-Babies versus Muppet Babies. Marvel. <laughs> oh, man. I would double buy that. Yeah, I would buy the hell out of that. <laughs> uh, this is a one-shot catching in on the popularity of the Scotty Young baby How variants. Is this popular? Who cares about this? I don't know. I mean, they're fun. Whatever. I, they're fun, and they're neat to look at. Didn't we get over baby versions of our favorite characters in the 80s? But it is absolutely a cash-in, but it's a lot of fun. Oh, this all ends up at Scooby-Doo Kids, you realize. It, it's a lot of fun. I laughed. Uh, the mom is totally dressed like Nanny from Muppet oh, Babies. God. Remember Flintstone Babies? Remember how bad Flint- that was? Look, I'm giving it a buy it. I'm just saying this is a dangerous and slippery slope. I understand. I'm giving it a buy it. It's only $2.99. Give it to a kid. It's just good, clean fun, and it's legitimately funny. The only thing I hate more than babies are mothers. Talent number one from DC. Talent zero was not a fluke. This book looks like it's going to be really interesting and Maybe it's just because it doesn't have the shackles of any continuity that it feels fresh and new and cool. I really like what they're doing with the character. He's now got an older mentor-type person to help him and a clear and concise mission. I think it's going to be a great book, not to mention it looks awesome when Guillaume March draws his stuff. Buy it. I love it. Wolverine Max, number one from Marvel. Uh, Because you demanded it, it is a comic book where Wolverine can say yeah, about time. Yeah. Woo! Uh, this is written by <laughs> Jason. You, bub. I f***ing best at what I do, and what I f***ing do is f***ing pretty. <laughs> wow. You're going to have your work cut out for you. <laughs> this is Wolverine, untethered, unhindered. It's written by Jason Starr, who I have never heard of. Yeah. And drawn by Roland Boshi, who did some work with Jason Aaron on Ghost Rider. Okay. But then it's got flashbacks by a different artist who, and I'm sorry, I don't remember, and it's not online. Awful. Really? Awful. Really? It's such a mismatch for the art. Ugh. Aaron Myers hated it, too, on his yeah. lightning review. It, it's not for me. I don't need Wolverine with cuss words. I get enough of Wolverine in the regular Marvel yeah, Universe. I, I always think, like, bleeping the cuss words out with the weird, you know, shapes. and you know, That's yeah. almost better and yeah. more effective. It just... Know? It falls flat. It's, it feels like an excuse just to keep the max line going is what it is. Yeah. But it gets to leave it from me. Multiple warheads, alphabet to infinity, number one from Image. Well, if Profit wasn't weird enough for you, you can read artist Brandon Graham's Multiple Warheads, starring Sexica. Sexica. And her werewolf boyfriend. Yeah. As they travel across a weird, futuristic, psychedelic Russia, smoking, singing cigarettes. 
It's weird. I don't know what to tell you <laughs> about this. Um, I read it just going, what the hell is this? And then when I finished it, I kind of can't wait to read more. <laughs> like, hey, it there was you go. so weird. It was kind of fun. There was some weird sex stuff going on. It's definitely a mature reader's book. I got to see where it goes. Brandon Graham is a fucking weirdo, man. <laughs> like, buy it. Punisher Warzone, number one from Marvel. This is the first issue of the storyline that will wrap up Greg Rucka's run on the Punisher. I have not been reading Punisher. I've read like the first three of his run, and that's it. I have been reading it, uh, and I jumped in with this, and it was great. I it love Greg. Didn't Rucka's even Punisher. didn't even miss a beat. Love it. This is the Avengers finally deciding that Frank has gone too far, and they're posseing up to come after him, and of course. Frank is not having it. No. Nope. Uh, it's got great art by Carmine D. Gian Domenico. Ha 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 ha. Uh, it's a buy it. I'm sad to see Rucka leaving, but this yeah. is a great, great Love first issue. Rucka's Punisher. Oh, this and continues from Rucka's other Punisher series. Oh, yeah. By, by the way, this is yeah. basically Punisher number 20. If you reading <laughs> Punisher, you need to read this. Sorry about the renumbering miniseries BS. FF number 23 from Marvel. This is Jonathan Hickman's final issue of FF featuring the Future Foundation kids and their adventures. We see Future Franklin. <laughs> Sorry, I had to wrap my head around it for a minute. We see Future Franklin saying goodbye to the family. He has to leave now so that Franklin, in the present, can become who he's supposed to be. Time travel. And it's bittersweet, and it's fun, and it's excellent. I've never loved Leech more as a character. I love Leech. This is cute. This is sweet. I'm really going to miss this. I'm looking forward to Fractions FF because I think it's going to be a wacky turn. Right. But man, this series was great. Buy this. Farty! That is your ludicrous speed round. And Farty is the sound coming out of one of the small one-armed aliens, but on the Pendleton Ward cover of this week's issue of Bravest Warriors, number one, Farty, from Kaboom. Normally at this time, we slip into the THN Sanctum Sanctorum for some otherworldly arcane relaxation that allows us to glimpse the secrets of next week's comics. But seeing as this is the Halloween Metal Show, we've invited all our favorite comic book demons and devils over, and in exchange for this little part of ourselves that we're not even using and Matt doesn't even believe exists, they've given us a giant pile of next week's comics. Thanks, fellas! Yeah, and we're doing kickstands with the likes of Surter, Neron, Mephisto, and the oh-so-sexy Hella, while Blackheart and King Peacock. Who's King Peacock? From Top 10. He was the Satanist. Oh, that's right. <laughs> well, Blackheart and King Peacock hold our ankles. This is f***ing hella awesome. Matt, what are you excited for next week? Next week, I'm excited for BPRD Hell on Earth number 100, which is actually Return of the Master number, number three. three. Because, you know, it wasn't confusing enough just having multiple running <laughs> BPRD miniseries. I'm glad that they're finally going through a numbering, but this seems kind of like a silly way to do it. Regardless, congratulations on 100 completely awesome issues of BPRD. Yes. Everyone should be reading this book. If you like horror comics, it doesn't get better than the Dark Horse horror universe, aside from X Sanguine, which I reviewed last week. Joe Patrick! Clear the beer from your nostrils and tell us what you're reading. You um, see this kid trying to do a keg stand. It's horrible. <laughs> Zarathos is laughing at him in the corner. My pick for next week is Bedlam, number one from Image, written by Nick Spencer with art by Riley Rosmo. You may recall we first talked about this way back like in the summer oh, yeah. during Comic-Con. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They announced it then. This is the new horror comic about the former serial killer that gets cured 
and ends up being a police profiler. Oh, yeah. And uh, I can't wait. I've been excited for this series for months. Nick Spencer is currently writing like seven books. Nick Spencer <laughs> writes a lot of He's stuff. He's a busy dude. And, you know, Riley Rosmo also can't be stopped. Right. And every project he's on looks different than the one that came before. I'm very excited. This is going to be great. Creepy fun. It comes out on Halloween. Awesome. Look for it. Our trade paperback pick for next week. G.I. Joe, the complete collection, volume one from IDW, reprinting the Marvel G.I. Joe and G.I. Joe special missions series in proper reading order. Yeah. Which I'm not really sure what that means, but I'm pretty sure there were some stories that went back and forth and Something they just sort like of that. reprinted special missions and were like you would have no idea what was going special on. Special missions was a se- was a separate series, right. yeah. But this was a G.I. Joe series by Larry Hama and Herb Trimpey that I loved as a kid in a special hardcover format. It's really going to be cool. Pick this one up and let us know how much beer the devil forced out of your nose and what you plan on reading next week over at the comment section for this episode at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Before we move along, Joe Patrick, why don't you read us some Facebook answers to the question of the week? Of course, if you want to play along, all you got to do is like us on Facebook. That's right. One click. Even just, if you hate us. Just, just do it. Yeah, just do it. What's and then you wrong like, with you? I hate you guys. And we'll read it on the air. <laughs> Speaking of Brandon Graham, Sam Allen says that he will read anything Brandon Graham puts out. I may not always understand what's happening, but I always love the mind trip and the great art. Uh, Jose Bermudez, who I feel is a first-time contributor. Welcome aboard, Jose. uh, Says Ms. Tree by Max Allen Collins, which is a a first for THN. I think the first time we've ever said the words Ms. Tree on the show. Never mentioned Ms. Tree. (laughs) Our buddy Aura... McWilliams, a.k.a. OMAC, says everything I read. Any (laughs) new Warriors book. (laughs) It's all a guilty pleasure. (laughs) Any new Warriors book. Sorry, Joe. Yes, even the one during Civil War slash Secret Invasion with Night Thrasher's brother. Jesus. (laughs) Candy Gross writes in again. Alan Davis is her guilty pleasure. Excalibur was the first series she started collecting, and his issues were the most fun. She says, I even bought all of the annuals with clandestine this year. Oh, man. Candy, I'm right there with you. Alan Davis can't I love stop Alan Davis. throwing clandestine in our face. I love Alan Davis, and I love clandestine. Hey, remember when I came up with this and nobody cared about it? Here it is again. <laughs> Dwight Brown writes in and says, Danger Girl. Oh, J. Scott oh, Campbell, man. I wish I could quit you. <laughs> You do yourself a favor and give J. Scott Campbell a break. Yes. Zach Hollowell says, X-Babies. In the midst of super serious X titles of my teenage years, I thought it was great to see something so off the wall written into actual continuity. You know what I did? Plus, I did like Mojo World. Yeah. I he loves Mojo like World. I like the X-Babies. Wade Lyle says, any of the 90s Midnight Suns crossover oh. bonanza that went down? Jesus. I have most of them. I have most of those issues and still look through them from time to time so bad in the best way. That was some rough stuff. Daniel Lopez, who I think is also a first-time contributor, says, Mudman is great, and I'll keep supporting it, but Grist has got to get it together and start shipping these out on a normal monthly basis. Five issues in a year? Why do you hurt me so? Mudman is not a guilty pleasure. Welcome aboard, Lopez. Mudman is legitimately excellent. It's legitimately good. Yeah, but still, welcome aboard. Yeah. (laughs) Nice try, Lopez. And finally, this one, I saved the best for last. Aaron Wagner (laughs) writes in and says, My guilty pleasure, as far as unpopularity goes, is Chuck Austin's run on X-Men. Holy s***. I have never 
encountered Someone a person that admitted that? to liking Chuck Austin's Really, Where like Angel could heal people with his blood and yeah. Nightcrawler was the son of Satan. Yeah. And like, oh man. Is a, there was Juggernaut became best friends with a fish boy. There was so much crap they had to undo. <laughs> it was a terrible run. Listen, we all like, the heart wants what the heart wants, Aaron. Right. That's why they took Chuck Austin like out to the woods and shot him in the back of the head <laughs> and buried him mob style. It was that bad. A lot of good answers this week, and as always, more than we had time for on the show. Thank you, everybody, for writing in. We really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, this one was fun. This yeah, was a good time. Tons of fun. Welcome to the Halloween edition of Take a Look. It's in a book where Matt and I got downright terrified while we read Scott Snyder and Scott Tufts. Severed trade paperback yes, from Image it, Comics. They wrote it co-written. Uh, mine is the hardcover. I don't know if there's a softcover version. Art by Attila Futaki. Attila Futaki, who has a scary name. You named your kid Attila? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like naming your kid after the Undertaker in the states. You know, <laughs> ballsy. Here's your solicit from Diamond. 1916, a man haunts the roads, a man with sharp teeth and a hunger for flesh. When 12-year-old Jack Guerin runs away from home, he'll see how quickly the American dream becomes a nightmare. It's a really good way to put it, because everything that took place in America in this book was horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Outside of, like, where he lived. First of all, we both love this. Let's just get away, because we're going to gush about it the whole time. Yeah. But this is a really well-executed horror book. Because I don't think it was executed like any other horror comic I've read in a long time. There's nothing outwardly supernatural going on in this book. Though there is the hint that there's but something supernatural there at play. There is definitely a hint of something larger. But there's never any like, oh, that's obviously like a grotesque demon from hell or no. a portal to the netherworld or anything like that. And truthfully, this has one of the scariest villains I have read in any horror comic in a long time because he is so believable. But he, I would argue, is not the scariest thing about this comic. The thing that creeped me out way more is the fact that this took place in 1916. This is, I mean, telephones were still relatively new at this time. There sure. was almost no communication. Everybody was cut off, and the further away you got from the wicked, evil cities, the more creepy like this America became because it yeah, was just absolutely. complete isolation where anything could happen. And the main character, Jack, Jack, is a runaway who believes his father is a musician in Tennessee, and he leaves his mother behind for not any real good reasons, but more just because he's driven to go find his well, father. Uh, they, they talk about a little. He's, he's kind of like an angry teen. He finds out that he's adopted, right. and he resents her for keeping it from him. He's been corresponding with his dad, who says, I can't wait to see you and see the man you've become. Come find me. Here's where I'll be. Yeah, and there's this great theme going on there of like, home may not always seem like the best place. You know, but when you leave it, when you leave the love that you know to go find the one that you don't know, it could be a colossal mistake. Sure. In this case, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Jack ends up meeting another runaway named Sam, who turns out to be Samantha. Yeah. Masquerading as a dude because 
you know, it's 1916. Like, you think where runaway girls get the crap raped out of them? Apparently. You think it's rough on the road for a boy? <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, you know, and we we see this Depression era, you know, like well, early Depression era United States, pre-Depression, right? Pre-Depression, and it's just awful. It's scary. It's vicious. It's terrifying. And these two kids are so innocent and so sweet that as they're pulled into this villain's story that we see more and more who is he's masquerading as a traveling salesman yeah he switches what he is from depending on the victim right and he's a perfectly normal looking old guy and he's actually kind of sweet and comforting and then he does one little thing and turns into the most terrifying (laughs) bad guy it's pretty grim ever seen and the whole story is just so hopeless and so grim and gross and it ends so well with such a perfect kick in the stomach that most like horror movies and remakes like my problem with all the latest Hollywood remakes of horror movies like The Hills Have Eyes and uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is it has a happy ending where like the person gets away you know like they hack off uh, Leatherface's arm with a butter knife and run away or whatever you know like <laughs> this has a firm kick in the stomach it is a pure horror story the art by Attila Futaki beautiful is beautiful and like just simple things like the layouts the, yes. the way the things are framed there's a scene midway through the book where Jack is with the villain and he doesn't know he's a villain yeah and they're visiting a family and there's nothing outwardly sinister no. about the family, but the way he frames the scene when they're all in the parlor together, it is askew. And there's a page turn, actually, that and, happens before that, where you're like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> and you turn the page, and, and it's, it's not as bad as you think yeah, it is, but, but it's, it's still, still really creepy. It's very unsettling. <laughs> you know? Yeah, imagine Norman Rockwell if he was a Satan worshiper. That's how this is drawn. <laughs> kind of, <you> yeah. <laughs> so the book starts off with Jack as an old man. So right off the bat, you know that Jack survives. Right. What the book is about is, you know, what happens to him, how he gets to be the old man that he is. He's right. missing an arm, so you know that at some point he's going to lose that arm. And he's seen something. His grandson has brought him something from uh, outside that has made him turn white as a sheet and recall some and terrifying he, things that then he him. starts reliving this experience so you're never really fearful for jack's life during the series but what that did for me was make every single person he encounters in the book suspect yes and the execution of the story that much better yeah because they're setting it up snyder comes right out and says look the main character lives yeah here's what happened to him it that is such a difficult task to make like, when Superman is in trouble, we're never like, oh, man, Superman's going to get his head cut off, you know? <laughs> sure, like, yeah. What if he doesn't make it? You know, like, this, we know the main character's not going to die, but everyone else in the book that you legitimately it's, care about yeah. is fair game. It's true. <laughs> you know? It's really well written, and uh, to be, we need to be uh, give credit where it's due. It's co-written by a man named Scott Tuft, uh, whose name I am not familiar with. I think that this Novelist? book- I, I I don't know. I think he's a novelist. I think that this book was written some time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, this series was written some time ago before Scott Snyder became you know the man we know him as today. Right. And it was his popularity with Batman and and Swamp Thing and things like that that enabled them to get this book published. I'm glad it came out now. Yeah. Because it got a lot of eyes on it because of Scott Snyder's name, but. 
I don't know how much of a contribution Scott Tuft made, but it's excellently written, and you legitimately can't tell. Like, there's no dip in quality. You no. can't tell where you know they're passing the baton from one person to the other. No, it's seamlessly written. Like they had the story perfectly crafted from beginning to end, and the artwork is gorgeous. I'm really looking forward to more from Futaki. Yes, the hardcover is gorgeous. It's very beautifully designed. It's a, a a wonderful book just from like the design of the packaging. It's got a lot of bonus material in the back, a lot of uh, character sketches from Futagi and a lot of reference pictures from our early 20th century America and it is bleak. Yeah. Those photos are bleak. Yeah, man. <laughs> and it's just really well done. The there's a foreword by Jeff Lemire talks about how he was never a horror fan and now he's found himself in this position and I kind of felt the same way. Fair enough. And it really enhanced my appreciation. It's a really great book. Do yourselves a favor, pick it up. It's scary, it's well written, it's thrilling and it's beautiful. Perfect Halloween read. Gigantic buy it from buy both it. of us. Yes, buy it from me too. We'd love to hear what you nerds thought of Severed, so hit us up at TwoHeadedNerd.com, and feel free to suggest a trade or graphic novel you would like us to read and review for future episodes of Take a Look, It's in a Book. Next month, we will be reading IDW's oversized hardcover reprint of Doug Wildey's Rio, which has been listed as some of the most important comic book Western reading ever by the likes of Mark Wade and Kurt Busiek, which is the reason I picked this up. It is a beautiful hardcover and i'm super excited to make joe patrick read a western but i love westerns do you let him who hath understanding reckon the number of the beast for it is a human number its number is 666 that is it for the second annual Halloween Metal Show edition of THN. If you dig onto completely non-threatening pasty white nerds strapping on spiked shoulder pads and cod pieces and slicking their hair back with blood, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, where, if you want to prove your love, you can leave us a star rating and a written review and help us get into the iTunes Top 10. Huge thanks to all of our donors, and if you'd like to help keep us in flying Vs and double bass pedals, bass. <laughs> You can make your donation in any amount at the new and improved twoheadednerd.com. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed and our email, twoheadednerd.gmail.com, or you can send us your love slash hate mail or your comic that you would like us to review. We love getting stuff from you guys. Don't forget to check out the all-new content at twoheadednerd.com, like the latest installment of Nerd TV. Let's pause for the greatest metal scream of all time. Featuring Dr. DeMarco deconstructing Arrow and a massive post by Kate Silva detailing Brian Woods the massive and why you should jump on board. And remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. And don't forget to check for the web exclusive answer of the week where Matt and I will answer this week's question of the week. Week, week, week. Week, week. Next week. Week, week, week. <laughs> Next week, we'll be playing Fancy Catch-Up. That's a new name for Catching Up on the Pile. Because you'll it's it's a terrible one. name, Catching <laughs> Up on the Pile. It's terrible. We'll be playing Fancy Catch-Up as we put on our Sunday best and curl up in front of the fire with a stack of Dan Slott's Amazing Spider-Man. 
before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Tab Carson for surviving a THN bender wherein she <laughs> listened to every damn episode and then gave us a super-duper write-up on her blog, Geektastic, which we'll have a link to in this week's show notes. Word to you, Tab. And until next time, true believers. I am really sorry for all that devil stuff I said, baby Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>